0: Hey Martin, welcome to Designers in Nature talking business. Hello. So, Martin, for those who don't know Martin yet, uh, is currently Chief Design Officer at Upsello, and he used to be Head of Design at um, Virgin Atlantic and Zupla. I hope I'm pronouncing these correctly. If not, you can correct me. Um, But yeah, maybe let's kick it off, Martin. As always in this type of episode, like, where are you at? what's the nature in your landscape (laughs) um
1: i'm outdoors i'm outdoors at my home uh in my garden uh it's uh yes it's it's my home it's also now obviously my workplace and has been for the last two years uh when lockdown happened um i spent a lot of my energy and my uh, my time um turning this garden from a, from a really horrible pile of mud and concrete into a nice place. Uh, it's, it's a nice place that we like to spend some time relaxing and, and we're eating and drinking with friends and family. And anytime I get a break between work, because I work at home, I, I try to come outdoors and, and get a little bit of outside here. We have, um, we're in Brighton in the city. Um, but even though we're in the city, we're kind of a little bit above it here, up on the hill. So over this way, we can see the city, and then the sea over there, and then over this side we have uh, the Sussex Downs, which is a big nature reserve, which is which is very beautiful and you know a nice place to escape to.
0: Mm. And the funny thing was, um, since you're in England, we thought you know it's gonna be very tricky with the weather and. We said, okay, let's check it in the morning to see how the weather is going to be like. And now it's tremendously nice. And we even had some problems with that, right?
1: <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It, I was worried that it was going to be too cold and raining to be outside for an interview. And then uh, my phone overheated that to put it in the fridge before this interview. So uh, <laughs> that's why English people are obsessed with weather, because it's a constant source of uh, comedy for us. <laughs>
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I thought you may go down to the seaside. That's why I also decided to go down to our riverbank in my hometown, Maribor. So you can see uh it's yeah, you know, it's not completely nature, but it's kind of nature within the city. So it's one of those walk paths you can do during the day, also if you're working from home to kind of get a little bit of uh nature time, let's say. Um so that's that's where I am at.
1: Mm, um, very nice.
0: Martin, um, tell us more about the business concept that you chose to share with us.
1: Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of business concepts that I think are very important for designers. And I think, in fact, actually, the more that designers can get to grips with, the the better they become as designers and and better they become at functioning inside businesses. Um, I think the concept that, that has made the biggest difference to me in the last year And one that I think is worth talking about is the concept of moats. Some people refer to them as economic moats. Some people just refer to them as business moats or just, or a product moat, whatever you want to call it. Um, And I think, so obviously the metaphor is a moat, that thing that circles a castle to protect it, to give it an advantage Mm -hmm. against attack. And then in this instance, a moat represents an advantage in your market. Um, perhaps an unfair uh, advantage, perhaps something that can't be um, easily replicated. It's more than just a competitive advantage um, because those can be marginalized over time and it it should not be um, confused with the idea of a unique selling point because it's not that. I mean, you can have identical products with no unique selling point, things that are completely indistinguishable, but one has a greater advantage over the other. and so, an example of that would be so if you took somebody like like Nike in the nineties right they had a huge boom, that was their big growth time. They yeah. were very, very good, but they had no moat. they had no distinct um, market advantage that couldn't be replicated. They signed Michael Jordan. Reebok signed Patrick Ewing. They put an air bubble in their shoes. Reebok put an air pump in their shoes. They had a whole <laughs> range of different sports. Adidas and Puma had ranges range of different sports. So they had, a, they had a market advantage for sure and they had a fantastic brand and lots of really good products. But over time, couldn't protect all of those and have continued to have to diversify and move because they don't have one distinguishable thing that makes them different from everything else. Um, whereas if you took somebody like... Let's say uh, Google, for example, their their moat is not their hardware. It's not the, their size. It's not their amount of products. It's their data. They have more data than anybody else. Who And even if you, if you made a product, if you made a search engine that was exactly the same, if not better than theirs, you would still never have that amount of data to draw from. And equally with maps or mail or anything else, uh, and particularly, obviously, their big cash cow, which is their ad platform right because they have so much data to be able to sell to advertising companies so you know other companies that have moats obviously is apple which is the obvious example because it's their ecosystem but smaller examples would be uh slack right slack's integrations right there's so many different chat tools out there There's, there's better chat tools than slack in actual fact um there's not much you couldn't do that they're doing, but they have so many integrations. I mean, they play well with every piece of software out there that mm. that they very, very quickly become stitched into pe- people's uh, ecosystems and stacks that you, you can't get away. Um, Figma is another really good example. I mean, Figma, it's available in a browser, right? So you could right click on Figma, you could just take their code and make it again and sell it as another product, but they have a they have a community which has given them momentum. Which is no one's going to be able to catch that for years. I, mm-hmm. For years, you know, they've put people. They've built their own communities. They've put people into the design community. They've represented at every community event that I can think of in the last few years. That's worth noting. They they they, they employ people to go out and into the community. They 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 have just created such an uh, an embedded nature into the design community. No one's going to compete with them. Even if they produce a better design tool in, tomorrow and launch it for free, they're not going to catch Figma for a really long time because they've done so well. And that's a that's a perfect example of a moat. And yeah. if, if you can understand that level of advantage and you can understand that thing that can't be caught, then as a designer, that that is a I think is a huge, huge advantage to be able to go after that. And then you can look at your role as a designer, whether you're a designer at any level or a design manager or a leader, Whatever you want to call yourself, functioning inside a business, if you can put, if you can deepen that moat or create one where there isn't one, then that is <clears throat> that's just a fast track to phenomenal success. Not just for you as a designer, because you get to create a product that's scaling extremely effectively, but for a business which therefore funds your your design work. And so, you know, for designers, it then becomes no longer about designing more features. It's no longer about designing a more fashionable brand it's no longer about designing nicer animations it's about it's about creating or deepening moats that exist so that your product has an unrepeatable unfair advantage in the marketplace Um, it's i think it's hugely valuable and from what i understand i think there are five sort of commonly understood different types of moats i think there's probably lots of variations in between them but if i remember rightly they they sort of roughly form as network effects, like costs and economics, culture, like the example I gave of Figma or resources. So someone like Disney, right? So Disney has so many people, so much money. They they have infinite resources to be able to launch an incredible platform if they want to. So I, I think if any designer... Like I said, working at any level, whether you're leading a team, part of a team, managing a team, building a team, if you can learn what those different types of business modes are, and if you can do whatever you can see is, or you can create opportunities to further those things, that I think is is so vital. That and I think is, is a huge advantage. And and for me, as we discussed earlier, like uh, it, it's one of those moments, one of those things where I, when I learned about it and I understood it. I th- immediately thought, oh, wow. Why didn't I know this? Why didn't I, sh- of course, that's, that's a good thing. And why should I should have learned that? So if I can do anything, if anyone can take anything from this, it, it would be to go and do your, do a little bit of research on that and think about how you can turn that to your advantage.
0: Yeah. I think the first time I've heard about boats was from Warren Buffett. It's one of those words in business that he popularized because he he only invests in businesses with moat. So if you kind of look at Berkshire Hathaway, which is, the, is his company, the companies they invest in, uh, for example, most notably lately, Apple, You know they're always looking for companies that have these huge advantages. And this boat, so the way he defines them, I think it's something about a company that's able in almost any business cycle to keep its share and profitability. So like this unfair advantage over others. And you mentioned a few of those. I mean, the one that I think a lot of us uh, working in design see being used a lot is like network effects, mm. uh, you know, like trying to have enough users uh, and uh, user generating value. So you have this like cycle of growth where users invite new users, which is essentially also what happened with Figma when you had, yeah. um, you know, designers trying to work better with developers and so on. So yeah, that's how I learn about mode. But I wanted to hear also from you. Like, do you still remember the how you learned about the mode? Was it like a particular moment? Was it on a certain project? Or and if it's one of those things you don't remember anymore, that's fine. <laughs> uh, because the second part of my question is also how do you then after you learn about modes? How did it affect your work?
1: So I, I came across it when I was um in the so last year when I was in the relatively early stages of Upzello, um which is a new venture and at the time we were we were forming the the sort of core product architecture and figuring out where it would sit in the market. And we were talking a lot and we would have continual conversations around product market fit and and you know, where we would find our customer base and where we would find um our revenue and then you know the further we went into the research the further we sort of started to see okay well this company here could could move to become a competitor and this company here could move to become a competitor and what would we do about it yeah um and because we knew that that we didn't want to create something that was very uh Transient, you know, very in the moment, and that came and went very quickly. We wanted to yeah, establish yeah. something that had good foundations, and I and I started to try and read and to learn uh, strategies for you know keeping something solid um, yeah. that you can still pivot within and you can still develop. But is is you know, and that and I read about that idea of having a, a defensible advantage, and that's yeah. where it came from for me. And and so how it's affected our work is we know that there are certain features that that customers will expect right we these are table stakes like if you if you're going to show up you have to at least have this because the the customer has built their expectation for it and that's fine and then there are features that you want to build in that will give you some form of advantage in some way shape or form that will you know move people to that next level or it will do something just a little different but underneath all of that is the, the thing that makes you uh, not just different to to other people, but um, unable you know unable to catch and and so it's something yeah. which we've been very very keen to build into Upzello right from the very very start um, and protect as well. You know, every time you're doing anything and developing or pivoting or moving or, or evolving a product, you have to make sure that the thing that 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 stops you from being copied um, Mm. is protected because, you know, when you're a a young company in a small company, we've all seen this lots of times Right, you can get swallowed really easily. You know, a very, very big organization could come along, deploy a product team and just take you out of the market. And we, we, you know, obviously want to protect ourselves against that kind of stuff. So it's had, it's had a big effect on us. Yeah.
0: What I love in your answer is, it kind of hides how you can use it in your work. So for all the listeners, like you talked a lot about competitors and expecting or, you know, playing out what they could do uh, to make you obsolete in a way, right? So what if this competitor tries to enter this space? What if that company tries to copy us? And I don't see a lot of designers doing that. Um, because we're mostly you know concerned with users. But I think if we apply a little bit of the empathy towards competitors, it just becomes such an interesting exercise. Mm. Like, why wouldn't they copy this thing? You know, like you, you and that's what has happened with I believe Instagram and Snapchat, you know, they were just basically just copying their features. Um, so Instagram was copying Snapchat features, and you can see it all across tech where building a, a product is let's say relatively easy compared to manufacturing or something like that. And then you need to have a different type of moat to, to, to disable someone from just easily copying you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When you're new and I think you're trying to move fast, there is always the danger of, of big, big organizations, you know, and you can use whatever kind of metaphor from nature that you like, whether or not it's sharks swallowing fish or whatever, but there's always the danger of, you know, you getting eaten up by somebody else very, very quickly. Um, yeah. The very first iteration of Upzello, which, you know, which we never launched for obvious reasons, it was kind of our very first idea. It kind of filled a gap between two established uh, markets. It kind of connected mm-hmm. two established markets together with big players and we were kind of pretty excited about it because it, it, it solved a, a pain point. But what we realized really quickly is either of the, you know, the big players in those markets could move slightly and crush us. You know, mm-hmm. if they moved just a little to the left, 50% of our advantage would be gone. Um, yeah. And and so that was, you know, when we were starting to think, okay, well, we need to think about this from a different angle because... You know for startups and and scale ups it can be it can be the thing that makes or breaks your organization
0: mm. so as a designer, right what you can work with then is features you know building these features out so what else is the thing that falls under the designer's toolkit that we can use when we think about modes to build modes.
1: Um, that's a good question I think there's probably not much that we can't do I mean whether or not it's it's when you're thinking about the hierarchy of features ensuring that the thing that keeps you uh, protected is 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 you know prominent and high up within that I think anything that you're doing that doesn't either deepen that moat i think whether or not there's any features like adding a search to it or or adding a filter to it does asking yourself the question does this further our advantage or actually Mm -hmm. does this start to unpick you know what we're doing whether or not you have some sort of inbuilt um like we do we have like an inbuilt scoring system and we've talked a number of times about exposing that to customers and, and showing like the kind of inner workings of that but but really that that kind of gives an advantage away for us um so it's 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 there in the prioritization it's there in the strategies it's there in the in the prototyping that we do it's there in the information architecture and probably more importantly than anything it's always there in the content design it's always there in in how we talk about the the thing um that's core to our product Mm.
0: I think we packed or unpacked modes pretty well. So let's have a look at the final part, which is, do you have any favorite or least favorite buzzwords, whether they're from design or business communities that you'd love to share with us for the laughs and maybe also also informative? Yeah,
1: I like... I mean anything right now that is work from anywhere anything that's you know about flex or hybrid all of that whole conversation I think is really healthy right now and really good and it, and I'm very welcoming of it I enjoy it I like seeing companies adopting that I like the, I mean there's so many good aspects to that there's how people have started to redesign their workspaces that they have to to operate differently now that people aren't sitting at a desk uh 9 to 5 every day um you know workspaces are becoming much more like communal whether you bring people together to achieve something and then you can go back to your desks i, I, I like that i like the fact that that the talent pool is just wide open now and anyone that you yeah. can be, have in your time zone can be part of your team and you don't have to yeah. worry about that anymore um from a from a business perspective and from a you know designer's perspective you know particularly being here in Brighton, there were, there's a really nice design community here and people used to, it was tight knit because there's not, not too many different design roles in this area. And now, you know, I know people who, who live in Brighton and they, they work for, you know, large tech companies in the U S or in London or, or out in, in yeah. further into Europe. So I think that's kind of amazing. I, I really think that's fantastic and it's changed people's lifestyles. And I think for the better, mostly, um, Buzzwords that I I hate. <laughs> there, this, there must
0: be some There's
1: probably There's a lot actually. I don't like the one that really the one that really triggers me, the one that really bothers me is JFDI. Um you, you know this phrase, you heard this, JFDI? Did
0: you say jobs to be done or no, JF, no? No? Uh
1: it's like just do it, but with an F in there um Ah,
0: okay okay
1: no (laughs) so it started off like it initially was used as a way to encourage people to be brave right if you're not sure jfdi you know it was like it was like a stronger version of the nike slogan right um but it's it's become so abused and such an awful term when you know someone's sort of saying well i think there's a better way of doing this or maybe this isn't the right move and then someone just says jfdi and i just (laughs) you know i just it it was so undermining on so many levels that someone says that i'm usually just out the door like i'm not going to hear it (laughs) i hate i hate
0: that word interesting i haven't come across it yet nobody told told jfdi to me yet um at least not directly but i can see how it can be misused you know maybe initially it was meant as just like yeah fake it until they make it or just try it out just you know start don't don't overthink it and now it almost became from what i'm hearing is is like uh oh i don't want to have this discussion just do something that's exactly it that's exactly it It, it
1: started off with a good intention and a good motive and has become exactly like you said don't argue with me just get this thing done at all costs and that usually is a red flag that we're doing the wrong thing anyway so uh yeah, that would be my, that'd be quite high up on my list of least favorite buzzwords, I think.
0: <laughs> so, uh, the advice we would give to our listeners is just uh, JFDI economic modes in your work, right? <laughs> just try to integrate it somehow.
1: So, I guess so, yeah.
0: <laughs> cool. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Martin, for taking the time and sharing your story and uh, the business concept with us. Um, see you around.